Hey, it's podcast time in Christmas Tide. I'm Richard Lanford. I'm the redheaded preacher of the Redheaded Preacher podcast, and I appreciate you tuning in. This edition is from Sunday, December 26th, 2021, the first Sunday after Christmas, and I am preaching on the text of Luke 2, uh, verses I don't have it in front of me. 40-something to 50-something. I think it's 41 to 52. And the other passages that you will hear read by our elector, Olivia Altmeyer, are 1 Samuel 2, verses 18 to 20, and verse 26. And then Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17, a favorite of mine. I think it was even read at our wedding. And the title of the sermon is Mary, Joseph, and Seeking Jesus. Before we start, please join me in the spirit. Great and glorious God, as we continue to celebrate the birth of Jesus, we ask your spirit to draw us near to what we're about to hear, that we might hear what you would have for us today. Build us up so that we may in turn build others around us up, for we are here for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And now, here's Olivia. Although this is the last Sunday of the calendar year, we know that the church also follows a church calendar which started on the first Sunday of Advent. So these passages from the lectionary are not about a new year coming, but they continue the story of Jesus as he grows. Before hearing these readings, please join me in the spirit of prayer. Let us pray. God of prophets and priests, of Mary and Joseph, long ago you heard the prayers of your people. You gave them, and us, new life in the person of Mary's son, Jesus. She gave him to your service. Now we ask that you hear our prayers too. Hear them so that we also might receive new life. And, like Mary and Joseph, use what we receive to serve you. This we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Our first reading is from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 18 through 20, and then verse 26. The boy Samuel has been born to a once barren Hannah and her priest's husband Elkanah. He is serving under Eli, the priest in charge of the worship center at Shiloh. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. His mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year, and when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord repay you with children by this woman, for the gift that she made to the Lord. And then the boy would return to their home. Now the boy Samuel continued to grow, both in stature and in favor, with the Lord and with the people. That concludes the reading from the Hebrew Scriptures. Our next passage is an epistle lesson. It is Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. With the coming of Jesus Christ into the world, a new way of living is expected of the Lord's people, and Paul talks about it in these words. Paul wrote, As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, 
humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This ends the epistle reading. Although we just celebrated his birth, Jesus grows up fast. The Gospel of Luke takes us to when Jesus was 12, and the family made the trip to Jerusalem for Passover. It is Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Now every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up, as usual, for the festival. And when the festival was ended, they started to return. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. Here ends the reading from Luke and our scriptures for today's service. May God give us a wise and generous understanding of this, the word of God for the people of God. We often hear parents tell their we often hear people tell parents about their kids, enjoy them now while you have them, they grow up fast. Well, as Olivia indicated, there's no quicker turnaround than celebrating the birth of Jesus Friday night and finding him 12 years old on Sunday morning. That's how the passages are lined up in year C, lectionary, I guess. But that's okay because, you know, today's gospel, and hopefully every Sunday's gospel, gives us something to chew on. You know, not being a parent leaves me less than qualified to speak with any authority about this. But I've always figured that aside from the child, her or himself, no one else on earth knows that child or their children as well as those who raise him, her, or them. But there can always be surprises. Sometimes they are about what's been going on inside a child, youth, or teenager, or even older or how their friends have made an impact on them, sometimes a spiritual impact. Most, if not all you folks, know my story, but probably not this little part of it. 
Yes, I grew up going to Sunday school and singing in the kids' choir. Well, there was a kids' choir. But like so many, at some point I dropped out. I was probably just following the lead of my brother, who was three years older, after he dropped out. I had a spiritual awakening around that age, which I kept to myself. I think I did. And later on, years later on, with the witness of a trusted friend, because of his witness, I asked Christ to come into my heart. And one of the reasons, there are several reasons I believe that was real and something really happened is because I started reading the Bible again and now it seemed like it was speaking to me. Whereas before, it was, I was just reading and it was kind of boring. I don't think I told my mom about that either. So when I sensed God calling me to the ministry a little while after that, um, and I told my mom, my dear mother was uh, kind of caught by surprise. Parents do not always get to know what's going on inside their kids, especially if they keep things to themselves. And who knows why I kept those experiences to myself, but my whole family was puzzled. I remember answering questions from my brother Tommy in the kitchen about why I planned to go into the ministry. He was wondering where this came from also. Well, this is in no way comparable to the gospel story we heard. In a way, it's a great contrast with mine, yet a slightly similar parental reaction. You see, I don't know about you as you were listening to the gospel, but as I reread that passage in preparation for the sermon, I had the same question Jesus did, sort of. After all their their day of traveling, their three days searching for him, seeking for him in Jerusalem, and they find him, Jesus asks, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And Luke adds right after, but they did not understand what he said to them. Okay. Really? Three days, and only then you think to check out the temple? This is not some Sunday school dropout who did not join the church after confirmation, sharing with his parents out of the blue. Let us remember some of what we heard Friday night. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. Elizabeth to Mary upon her unborn John the Baptist leaping in her womb when pregnant Mary comes over. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then the angels tell the shepherds, For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And the shepherds went and found the holy family. And Luke continues, They made known what had been told them about this child. And all were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured these words and pondered them in her heart. After Jesus' birth, what we did not hear then, or today, was the story of Simeon. 
He encountered the Holy Family after Jesus' dedication in the same temple, and he gratefully prayed to God, Simeon did, Now you are dismissing your servant in peace, for mine eyes have seen your salvation, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory for your people Israel. Luke wrote that Joseph and Mary were amazed at what he said. And that same day, prophetess Anna also spoke about the child to any in the temple who were looking for, quote, the redemption of Jerusalem. Sometime later, a couple of years later, probably, the Magi came and gave him gifts for a king, including frankincense, something a temple priest might use in sacrifices or offerings. After the Annunciation, Elizabeth and unborn John's reaction, Joseph's dream, the shepherd's testimony, Mary pondering and treasuring these things in her heart, plus the witness of Simeon, Anna, and the mysterious Magi, how could they not know to check in the temple for Jesus? This is a religiously observant family. Luke takes pains to show how they followed the law every step of the way after Christ's birth. Yet days went by, apparently, before they thought about the temple as a place Jesus might be. Excuse me, but how dumb were they? Honesty rings through when we hear this, but they did not understand what he said to them. It almost sounds ironic if that's the right use of the word, because it does get misused, for Luke to add just before the passages and his mother treasured all these things in her heart. I don't think it was ironic. But can you or I blame Jesus for asking them what he asked them? He has come upon his identity as Son of God, calling God Father, which was not a common name for the Lord in the Hebrew Scriptures. This, in fact, is a crucial passage not only for Mary and Joseph, but for Jesus and for all who want to understand more of what the New Testament proclaims about him. The Reverend Cheryl Lindsay, a UCC pastor and author whom I've quoted before, wrote, Although Jesus willingly obeys his earthly parents, his obligation is established. His vocation what we might call a calling, his vocation is as God's son. What this story gets at is the continuity and discontinuity of Jesus' being who he was. He was always the son of God. And, of course, people did not understand. She continued, Jesus' self-recognition as God's son this family affiliation overrides all other family connections. This is the family to which he ultimately belongs, the one that defines his identity and vocation and claims his allegiance. Another writer pointed out that a different translation of did you not know that I must be in my father's house is did you not know that I must be involved in my father's affairs? The writer continued, without judgment, what seems to be on Mary's mind is not only where the lost Jesus is, but what could have led him to separate himself from his parents. What is important to note about these first words of Jesus is 
he is speaking of his relationship with his heavenly father the sense and importance of that relationship comes through no matter which translation is used Mary and Joseph do not understand what Jesus is saying to them and that they do not understand here shows that Gabriel's announcement to Mary did not explain everything about this child of hers. End quote. Jesus has come to understand, if he didn't before, that he is not just interested in Yahweh. He does not perhaps just feel close to and have a fantastic understanding of Yahweh. He is somehow God's son in a real uniquely real and spiritual way. This story of self-recognition and finding his true family in the family of God is important for you and me to get, as it was for Mary and Joseph, who did get it later, I believe. We'll, we'll also remember Christ's baptism. And when, when you know, thou art my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased, we... And then, later, in his ministry, Jesus said, Who are my mother and my brothers? Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Mary, at least, because we don't know about Joseph, he disappears from the stories after this. Mary, at least, did grow in her understanding of her son, being the son of God. Not only did she, as Luke told us, continue to treasure these special events in her heart and pondering them, she matured in her understanding and reflection. Things must have continued to come together over time. And although they did not understand what Jesus meant in the temple at that time, seeds for that understanding, as well as all of the things which had preceded it, were most seeds were most likely planted seeds which grew later and let's remember for everyone's sake that jesus was only 12. sharing again from pastor cheryl she said mary chastises jesus for his lack of concern for his parents and his response may seem impertinent to our ears and perhaps they did to mary and joseph but could they have also been words of assurance could Jesus have been revealing himself to them in a deeper way in this private moment? Knowing that Mary especially would have a hard journey with her child once his life becomes public, would Jesus have wanted to give his mother an inside view of what his life was about and ultimately would become? She went on to say, the text explains that Mary and Joseph do not get it. They do not understand the fullness of this message, at least not in that moment. Right. I have to imagine that 12-year-olds surprise their parents many times over, and parents learn more and more over time about who their sons and or daughters are, are becoming, or have become. Despite all the clues, you or I can be given, and maybe claim for a while, sometimes we still need someone to say it again, and maybe in a less than comfortable way. And then we get it. If not then, then soon after. If we ever do get it. 
Sometimes people remain a mystery to us all of our or their lives. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? It seems she got the idea when she sang the Magnificat and all those other hints. But in the routine of living a life caring for a child, from changing dirty diapers to a family trip observing Passover, the wonder of the Sovereign One's promise might lose prominence to the mundane requirements and responsibilities of daily existence. And then more children came. But trust the parents. You know, generally, it has been said, the older we get, the smarter our parents become. For Mary and Joseph, this event in the journey and the temple may have simply overwhelmed them. Yet, trusting them as God trusted them from the beginning. Here is one more piece to add to all the others for them to fit together. Clarity would come as Jesus matured and claimed his ministry. He mattered too much to them for them to stay so badly confused. And I believe Mary did not. Let us not be too hard on ourselves. If it takes you and me time and the making of more than a few mistakes of understanding, either our kids or our parents, our spouses or partners, teenaged friends, co-workers, Jesus, and even sometimes ourselves. We may, we may need a few more pieces to fit together. Someone to connect the dots for us because we just have not yet. And some of us are better at that than others. If we love them, we'll be patient. As Olivia read from Colossians, Paul exhorts us to be patient, to bear with one another, to wear the clothing of humility, peace, and above all, that love. We then can continue our own seeking for Jesus, to find him if we need to, to learn and understand more about him and his sense of family under God. Clarity, God willing, will come, and that's good news. Amen. That does it for this week's podcast. I'm trying not to say edition of all the time. I hope the message gave you something to think about. I've talked with some mothers after the service today, and they had a very a couple of very different um, reactions to it, and I appreciate that. <clears throat> I told them maybe next time I have this passage, we'll do a dialogue sermon, uh, something that's more representative of how moms just freak out, and parents when they're ki- and dads, when their kids go missing. Uh, fear plus anger. So, but I hope you enjoyed it and got something out of it, something to think about, and that will be a blessing if that's the case. So we turn a calendar year before I preach again. Uh, My next time in the pulpit at St. Peter's will be January 9th. And so until then, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. 
And may God bless your holy days. Amen.